If you would, turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as we come to these last verses of this chapter. And so we'll be looking here at chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. You know, often as you drive around or maybe as you walk through your neighborhood, and so often what do you see? Right? You see you know, people jogging or running along the way. Well, running like that, it requires something, doesn't it? It requires discipline, you know, self-control, planning. And, I mean, if you're a competitive runner, which I've not done that, and maybe you have done that, but if you have done that, you know you multiply that you know, discipline and self-control and planning by 10. So maybe, maybe you've heard of him, but the famous sprinter and missionary, Eric Liddell, he won Olympic gold in 1924. Now, as great as that would be, how did he view his running? Well, in the movie Chariots of Fire, and through that lens of that movie, this is what he said. He said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Now, why would he say that? Because for Liddell, there was something more important to him than running. Now, you know, all of us here, we might not wake up you know, early each morning and go for a run or have competed for medals. But according to Scripture, if you're a believer, and if you're a believer here this morning, you also are in a race. And Liddell knew that too. He knew that there was something more important than sprinting and getting medals, and he was part of that greater race. And what many people don't know about Eric Liddell is that he would spend the rest of his life running that race, even unto dying on the mission field in China. Well, this morning, Paul, he would have us run that greater race also. And to run it with everything we are. Because we're not running for just anything. We're running with Christ before us. And Christ with us. And in view of a prize that far surpasses anything that this world has to offer. And so let's see this. Let's see this here in our verses. And I'll begin reading starting with verse 24. Lord, help us as we hear your word. Help it get in our minds. Help it get in our hearts. Help it get in our hands and help it get in our feet this morning. Amen. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. 
Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, how does Paul come to this point here? You know, it's vital to any and every passage to see that it has a context. You know, and as one of my former pastors says and has said, context is, yes, context is everything. So how then did Paul get here to this point? Well, his point here, it goes all the way back to chapter 8. And I know some of you were here for that. Some of you weren't here for that. So what in the world did he say back in chapter 8 that leads us to this point here this morning? Well, back in chapter 8, he had this whole discussion of idols and Christian liberty. And he ended there in chapter 8, in verse 13, mindful of the gospel And it's called to sacrificially love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he said there in chapter 8, verse 13, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. I won't preach that again. But what centeredness Paul had on the gospel and on Christ and living for Christ, which then comes right out then as he moves into chapter 9. And so from there, he went into this whole discussion in chapter 9 about his rights as an apostle and how the gospel is his highest priority. Like Christians, you maybe have the right to partake in an idol, but what is Paul setting forth above any of those rights, even his own? It's the gospel. And so we saw that, but we also saw last week that he longs to reach the lost and to win the lost to Christ. He has a fire burning within him to pursue after them for the sake of the gospel. And so here, in our passage... This passage, it serves as something of a kind of a connecting point between all of that, chapter 8, chapter 9, and what he's about to say in chapter 10. So he's kind of doing this thing where he's looking over here, and then he's looking forward at the same time. So both are in his, in his mind here. And so it's a transition point for him within the book or the letter of 1 Corinthians. And so in these verses... He'll be connecting a few things, which we'll see in the coming weeks. But here, he wants us to see that he's living in a certain way. He's living with the gospel as his priority. He's aiming himself with a gospel fervor, a gospel flame, not a gospel spark, right, from last week. A gospel flame, and he's living in view of Christ and what matters most. So he's aiming everything in his life towards that. 
towards Christ. Not rights, not money, not gold medals, not those things that won't last. So in other words, first point here in our passage this morning, he's running the race with eternal priorities. He's running the race with eternal priorities. Now, of course, as you can see here, it doesn't take you know, rocket scientists, and maybe some of you are rocket scientists, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see here that he has this whole illustration of running and a race. I think most of us see that readily enough. Now, in their day, what was going on here? Well, Corinth, it was a hub for the Isthmian Games. And so this was quite the event where they would worship their gods and they would have these feasts from foods offered to idols. And so, hence, you can understand part of what Paul's addressing here then for the Corinthians. But, of course, they also had all these variety of games as well. You know, from chariot races to something akin to mixed martial arts today. So they had that going on back then. They had wrestling, boxing, and as Paul says here, running. And so Paul, he compares this to what we're doing. Like this. Like right now. Your life. My life. And he's saying... As he gives this illustration, he's saying, you're in a race also. Verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Now on the one hand, we don't need to take this too far He's not like saying here that you're running for your salvation. Like, man, you just got to run really hard. But if you don't run hard enough, sorry, you're not going to be saved. Now, that would be taking this too far. Paul's not intending that, meaning that, emphasizing that here. And how dangerous it is that really many already think that way. How many... People who come to the church Sunday after Sunday, they're thinking, well, I am running and I'm working. I'm going to church. I'm reading the Bible and praying and all this stuff. Hopefully, so that one day, God will accept me and I'll be saved. And I just hope that my good works are enough to save me when I stand before him on that day. And, you know, the truth is, we do need to consider and ask, well, Maybe that's, that's you. Maybe that's the way that you have understood Christianity. This idea that you're running along just hoping that you'll be saved in the end because of your good works. And friends, let me just say, what a dreadful way to live. And to be completely honest, flowing from Scripture and its teachings... I mean, what a dreadful shock it will be on that day if you're living like that and then you find out that all those works you did, they did not even get you one step closer to being saved. Not even one. As God's looking at 
you, a sinner separated from him, good works and all, all the money you've given to donations and all these various causes and so on. He looks at that and he says, that's filthy. Those are polluted rags right there. And he says exactly what we say in Romans chapter 3 or what he says in Romans 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after God. Not one person here or throughout the world. So that's not it. As Paul has made clear, it is grace. It's justification by faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone. That is, to know God, you must repent and believe in Christ. Not trusting in some generic thing, you are trusting in a person. Fully God, fully man, the one who came, was buried, died, rose again, ascended, is at the right hand of the Father right now. You to repent and believe in him because, friends, he is your only hope. And there is no other hope. And I pray that you would see that this morning. And I pray that the Lord, by his spirit, would open your eyes this morning to see the truth of the gospel. And pray that he would open your eyes and then you wouldn't just kind of linger or like briefly kind of walk to Christ, but you would run to him as the treasure he is. However, for believers, with Christ and Christ alone being our salvation, you need to see what Paul is saying here. He is saying that you are in a race. You're not competing like, I'm just going to push these other believers out of the way, man. i gotta, I got to win this thing. That's not it. We're not competing against each other, but we're running. You know, as many of you know, you know, Megan and I, we had COVID not too long ago, a few weeks ago. Well, while we were away, naturally, as really any sickness does, it makes you slow down, right? You just can't keep going and doing everything you normally do. Now, during that time, I realized just how rushed I've been. I don't know if this has happened to you as you've, you know, you've been sick and you just can't do anything that you normally do. You know, I just realized how rushed I've been going from one thing to the next. And yet, during that time, I was reminded that I'm to be doing and going about, and all that I'm doing and going about doing, I'm to be aiming at the main thing. And this here, even to slow down and live for the main things, to live for Christ and to live for the gospel in all things. Now just consider that for yourself. Are you rushing about here and there? Now, there's a danger in our busy, rushed age that we live in today. You know, there's, there's not any signs as we're 
running along the way saying, you know what, if you go this direction, you're going to waste your life. But if you go this way, you're not. You're going to live the unwasted life if you go this way. We don't have those kind of signs. So as as we're racing along, have you paused to ask, what are you running for? What are you racing after? And as you ask that question, as you should, and as I've been asking all week of myself, studying this passage, you know, it might be different than you think. The wasted life might just well be filled with all your hopes and dreams answered. Yet we are told from Scripture what the unwasted life is. And what is it? It's a life centered on Christ and on the cross of Christ. And that's not asceticism. It's not about what you're not doing. (laughs) It's not legalism. Like, all these rules I've got to keep doing, all these things I I really should do, all these things I should not do. And it's not a bunch of people going around just kind of pretending like they have this joy. Well, that's not us. Or it's not to be us. We are the only ones, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, in all the world, we are the only ones who are free. No one else is. If they are outside of Christ, they are in chains. They may have all the money in the world, billions of dollars. And they're not free. And they are lost. And they have no hope in this world. And so as we look at Christ and the gospel, we are to be the most joyful, glad bunch of people around. Not because of what we're going through, not because of trials, circumstances, cancer. It is because of Christ and our joy in him. God is this source of infinite joy. And as we look to him, trust in him, through Christ and in Christ, by the power of his spirit, we are taking in that joy and living in accord with joy in Christ. As Psalm 16 says, right? In his presence is fullness of joy. Because he is the source of joy. So we aren't to walk around with this kind of fake Christianity, a fake joy. Nor does a life centered on the cross I mean God is calling, you know, many of you off to like some far off land. You know, if you think that, well, I'm going to live for Christ, that means I'm going to go be a missionary somewhere. But that's not what this means, running this race like this. Now let me say, though, also, God may be calling you to do that. 
Maybe you should be asking yourself, is God calling me to go out for the sake of the gospel among the nations? So you're right to ask that. But so often, normally, he is calling, even commanding you and me to live for him, taking up the cross, dependent on him, right there, right where you are right now. Right there, verse 24, run that you may win the prize. And what prize is that? Well, Paul, he doesn't really tell us. <laughs> he doesn't expressly say, well, this is what I mean. But in view of all that Paul says and everything else, he surely has in mind the glory to come. It's the eternal prize of prizes. Glory with the Lord of glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Well, is that what you're running for right where you are? As engineers, as janitors, as computer science specialists, as teachers, as homemakers, as missionaries, as pastors. If you're a single person here, if you're a married couple here, as children, is this what you're running for right where you are? And so see, saints of the Lord, that you are an athlete of a different sort. You're an athlete of a different sort. Verse 25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Now, there are certain things that an athlete does, right? Now, believe it or not, and I think some of you already know this and have chuckled, but at one point in my life, I was an aspiring bodybuilder, right? Well, I know you can tell. You're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Well, I was. And I'll tell you, I worked hard at this. You know, I would run in the morning for an hour or so, and I would spend three to four hours a day, every day in the gym. I ate five meals a day, hardly ever ate desserts, didn't drink soda. And then on top of that, I kept a food journal as well to keep track of all the foods I ate every single day. And so I was serious. <laughs> Now, what does that require? Well, all of that requires self-control. And it requires that you're aiming at something, doesn't it? Well, this is Paul's point here. An athlete, or perhaps more literally a combatant, is what he literally means with this word, exercises self-control over their desires for the contest. But for you and for me... Paul's saying, you also are to be ruled by something, but far, far greater. You're not to be ruled by your rights. You're not to be ruled by sinful passions. You're not to be ruled by the temporary things of this world. You see, you and I, we are a different sort. You and all of us, we are to be driven 
by the gospel. We're to do everything for that. For Christ's sake, we do all things, and we're to do that, as Paul says here, in all things. Apathy, are you feeling that? Complacency, is that where you are? Indifference, all of those. In these verses, God he is calling you and all of us away from the sidelines. And he's calling you to be in the race. Each of you, all of us, you're to run for what lasts. You're to run for what lasts. Verse 25. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So in Paul's day, during these games, they ran for these kind of perishable wreaths. And so what were these wreaths that they had during that day? Well, they were these crowns or garlands of plastered pine leaves. Okay? Or even... And I know you're going you're to be like, man, I want one of those. They were even a crown of withered celery. I mean, what a crown, right? Like, where can I get one of those and where can I get it today? You know, I want a crown of withered celery. Man. You know, and even as we may laugh at that, this is what they were racing for, competing for. You know, the truth is, I mean, aren't we tempted to do the exact same thing? I mean, is that not perhaps even what we are running for? To run for things like these? Houses, cars, clothing, and so on and so on and so on. You know, we can be so easily enamored with those things that won't last. Now is the time to consider what are you running for? You are not done, saints. Not one of you. No one has preached your funeral yet. You are still in the race. And so set your eyes on Christ as your great end in all things. Each one of us each one of you are to have your eyes dead set on the Lord, on the gospel, and on the cross. As you live, as you worship, as you laugh, as you cry, as you come, as you go, as you stay, as you leave, as you celebrate, as you remember, as you work. You're to run, you're to witness, you're to live for the sake of the imperishable glory to come. And so are you And you're to do that in a certain way. You're to run as though your life depends on it. You're to run as though your life depends on it. And this is part of the urging of Paul's point here. Which is, as we hear that, it may make you a bit uncomfortable. But he's making it nonetheless. <laughs> and so, let's be clear. The gospel says Jesus died, was buried, and rose again to save sinners. 
He died that His death would be your death. His resurrection would be your resurrection such that though you die, you live. Not by works. Grace. From first to last, the grace of God. And so we glory in Him, boast in Him, all glory to God in Him, in Christ. Yet, Paul's saying, run with that grace under you, beside you, all around you, laboring with all you are for the sake of Christ. Friends, this is not a passive faith. It's an act of faith. The Christian faith, it's not an easy chair. And friends, I think this is where we are in America. We're living in that easy chair over here. I've been saved. I'm good. Forget everybody else. <laughs> you know. The, the gospel, the Christian faith, is not an easy chair. It's believers taking up their cross and by the grace of a God, for the glory of God, running. And with everything they are. It's the heart of what Paul said from Philippians that David read from a moment ago. What did it say? What did Paul say? Not that we have already obtained it. Or are perfect. But we press on toward the goal, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see him laboring for the sake of the gospel. Yes, he's got me, but man, I'm going to pour my life out for Christ. I'm going to walk in that obedience of faith. Like Titus says, zealous for good works because I'm free. Not so I can try to get these chains off of me, but because I have no chains on me. And so that's Paul's first point. Running with an eternal perspective before us. All these things around us, believers, just take this in, examine your life, ask yourself, will you give your life and walk in view of the cross, primarily in view of eternal things, rather than this other stuff? let's ask that question of ourselves. So that's the first point. Here then is where we see the second way Paul's running the race. He's running the race with Godward purposes. Running the race with Godward purposes. So Paul's running with purpose. Just hear that. He's running with purpose. He's not just running. And so this is not, isn't about discipline for the sake of discipline. This isn't about discipline for the sake of discipline. And we see this in verse 26. So he says there, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Right? So in the Christian life, let me say it again, we're not to go about aimlessly. Just doing it to do it. That's where this apathy and indifference and all these complacency comes right in. 
It's not just coming to church to come to church. Now, let me say an aside on that. Sometimes you may not want to come to church. And I get that. Sometimes I don't want to come to church. What? <laughs> you know, you, yes, I'm not fully God, fully man. What am I? I'm a sinner, say, by the grace of God. He's my hope, just like he is your hope. And so, even when we don't desire, we go, and in that we say, I do desire, Lord. I do desire, I, I'm even putting aside myself and these things, the idol of emotions even, and saying, I will worship you, even when I don't feel like it. So we're not just doing it to do it. Usain Bolt, you may have heard of him, eight-time Olympic gold medalist in sprinting. As he sprinted, and as he did all this, he had a specific aim in mind when he would compete. He wasn't running and disciplining himself to win marathons. That's not what he was doing. He disciplined himself, prepared, did everything, aiming to run and win in sprinting. In the same way, our running is to be aimed, not discipline for discipline's sake, but this is about discipline fitting to the gospel. Fitting to the gospel. As Paul says here in verse 27, and even as he's been saying really nearly throughout this chapter, he disciplines himself, he's kept his body under control in view of one thing, in view of Christ. And so we need to ask ourselves, as you hear that, and maybe Sunday after Sunday, as you hear that, or as you see that, or you see, even as we saw last week, you see someone who's on fire for Christ and you behold that, is that something that's distasteful to you? Like you look at a Christian who's on fire for the Lord and you say, yuck. Now, if it is, be honest. You may, you just say it this way. You know, God already knows. <laughs> he already knows that's how you feel. He already knows that's what you think. The bigger question is, do you know that? Do you know that as you look at Christ and those living for Christ, and you think, yuck. Do you know? And if you do, if that is you, God knows, and so confess these things to God and ask Him for hearts fitting to the gospel. And don't just ask, but then in dependence on the Lord, what do you need to do? Get off the sidelines and run and run for the sake of the gospel. Run in view of this precious treasure that you have in Christ. And Paul does this. 
He disciplines his body, verse 27, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, literally, the word there for disqualified is proven false or to be shown counterfeit. Now, the sense here isn't really that you're going to lose your salvation, but it is strong in the sense like you're a pretender. Paul's saying, I'm not to preach, I'm not to just teach all these things and not live them out. But that's not just for him, right? It's also for you. It's also for me. And so am I and are you, are we preaching or practicing what we preach? Are you? Yet it's right at the same time in seeing his words here to ask, are you even part of the race at all? Are you even part of the race at all? You know, when I was in high school, I was anything but a Christian. And I mean that. I did not know Christ. I'd been baptized. Still didn't know Christ. (laughs) Because baptism doesn't save you. It was funny. I still had a cross around my neck, didn't I? (laughs) Maybe you didn't know that, but I did. I still had a cross around my neck. And you know what? You might just see me every so often in church as well. Yet I didn't know the Lord. And some people around me might even say, well, he's a Christian. But I wasn't. And so before the Lord, honestly ask, how is that different from you? How is that different from you? What, even as you know, one of my friends from years ago, they would ask, is there enough evidence if persecution arose Is there enough evidence in your life for them to persecute you? Would they even say you're a Christian at all based on your life? Would they? And so do you know Christ this morning? Do you love Him? And if you don't, today... Will you put your faith in Christ? Will you no longer linger going about church, playing church, playing this kind of religious spirituality? Will you no longer do those things? And will you put your faith in Christ today? Will you trust Him? And will you look to Him who can save you right now? So are you even part of the race? Then it's right to ask of ourselves, of believers, of us who know Christ here, are you running with Godward purposes and aims? Are you running with Godward purposes and aims? Listen, friends. We have been duped. And we have been duped in a big way. I could speak on this for the next few hours. We've come to believe that discipline isn't for the Christian life. 
that it's not for this. It's not for church. Yet see what Paul is saying here. Literally the phrase he has here in verse 27 is he beats his body into submission. Now he wasn't literally doing that, like you know, beating himself up. He wasn't, he wasn't going around doing that. He's talking about the kind of severity, the passion, the gospel intentionality and discipline that he would apply to his life. And so essentially he's saying he disciplines himself in every way, in every way to live under and unto Christ. And that's where we've been duped. How? We will discipline ourselves in everything else, but it is not allowed in this. We will read, we will study, we will educate ourselves, we'll listen to podcasts, we'll do all these things, but it's not allowed in the Christian faith. It's not allowed in following Christ. It's not allowed in knowing Him and being part of His church and being part of His body. Is that true? Friends, that's not true. There's a reason in history they called theology the queen of the sciences. Because it is the center and is to be the center of everything else. It is to define all areas of knowledge in everything. And so, yes, discipline yourself. Like Paul says in 1 Timothy, train yourself for the purpose of godliness. So get in the Word. Study the Word. Meditate upon the Word. Memorize the Word. Pour yourself over the Word. Seek God. Pray. Set aside time to seek God. Luther said, man, I'm so busy today, I can't but spend three hours in prayer. Is that the way you think of Christianity? I'm not saying you need to spend three hours in prayer. How we have been duped. Satan's over here laughing, saying, see that? They're doing this in every other area. I mean, they're not educating people in their, their classes and Sunday schools and everything else. not getting deeply in the Word, but they're getting deeply in engineering or science or architecture or cooking or teaching or whatever it is. But it's not allowed here. Man, we have been so duped. That's why seminaries exist. Because it's not being taught in the church like that. Now, there's more we could say than that. There's a rightness in having people who have specific areas of knowledge and so on. But friends, if you're saved, God is calling you to run. To now go on and out and live for his name. You won't accidentally obey. You won't accidentally serve. You won't accidentally be sanctified. God is calling us to actively pursue godliness as Paul is here. As he is aiming to discipline his body, his life, and everything that he may run with Christ before him at every turn in all things. Even as he says in Philippians chapter 2, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You do that. But all the while, as you do, who's behind it? 
for it is God who is at work to will and work for his good pleasure. You work it out. You run the race. And then all that glory goes back to him. And so as we run, and as you're hearing all this, next to last point, sub point, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, some of you here might be floundering. But friend, and, and just look at me here. Friend, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. God is there. Christ promised that he is there even until the end of the age. And he's not lying. He is with you. So don't give up. He's there with you until the very end. Running the race won't be easy. And it's not easy. But run. And don't give up. If you know the Lord, one day you will be home. I will be home. And we will be home together. And that day is coming. So take heart and don't aim your life at what will perish, but aim your life towards what lasts. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, we come and we pray as we are praying together in response to your word. We ask that and even say whether we're in a pew or maybe we need to get on our knees. Maybe as we sing and respond through song in a moment, we need to come and pray on these steps. Whatever it is, May we respond to your word today and may you help us to ask these questions of ourselves. Are we even in this race? That may mean that someone here right now today needs to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so we pray and even as we have prayed, Spirit, open their eyes and help them behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we pray for ourselves as believers that we would respond. Lord, how we have looked out and we have been looking at, perhaps looking at others around us and saying, well, they're not doing it. Oh, Lord, help us run. 
Help us have our eyes on the prize, running in view of Christ in all things. Help us, Lord, to take up the cross today and to say, I will do this. Not so I can be saved, but because I am saved and I will do it, I will obey in an obedience flowing from faith in him. So I'm going to put my whole life on the table, how I think of work, how I think of parenting, how I think of my marriage, how I think of the internet, how I think of education, how I think of exercise, how I think of eating, how I think of everything in life. It's on the table, Lord. And I'm going to run the race. I'm not going to be on the sidelines anymore. So we ask, help us to do just that. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Come to our hymn of response, I would ask, do you believe in Christ? Have you put your faith in him? Believing in Christ doesn't acknowledge that there was this guy named Jesus that lived a long time ago and went to a cross. It's actually trusting him for what God sent him to be our substitute. And that, as Pastor so well said today, that only in him do we have hope. So do you have that hope? Do you believe in that Christ and have trusted him and confessed your sins and repented? Then you're in Christ. If you haven't, you're not. So we'd ask you to seriously consider that and come to faith in Christ today if you've not done so. It's not about us. It's about Christ. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Let's stand as we sing.